0: Welcome to Crow 777 Radio, episode 43. Uh, I have Jason back for one last run at space. This will be the sixth episode, uh, mostly done by request, covering just about every angle of what humans' interaction with the thing we call space may or may not be. Um, We started with kind of the moon. We moved through. Uh, This episode's going to cover Virgin Galactic. This is actually a very interesting episode because... Jason always puts together a little research to kind of keep me from swaying the whole conversation in a typical way that I would. And in that, we even uh, present some supposed aeronautics experts evaluating what Virgin Galactic is, is claiming. And I hope I didn't say SpaceX earlier. I meant Virgin Galactic. That's what we're covering here. Um, and it, it's just every part of it you look at you come up with questions, and there are some parts that we're going to cover here where you simply can't balance what's going on. It just the the ring of truth is not in it. I think we've done, what, nearly 12 hours uh, of covering space, but there is quite a bit in this episode and quite a bit in the second hour. Um, As an example, there are now more private corporations who are building supposed spaceports, actually countries, And apparently the Vatican or priesthood is somehow getting involved. Um, It's all very interesting, but what's in a name? You know, we all hear this over and over and over. Jason and I cover this. The naming of things at this kind of very high corporate level is a big deal. They don't do it lightly. They plan it carefully. And I would ask, what's in a name? We will cover, uh, shoot, what's it called? Something Blue is one of the new Uh, private corporations making a space run, we are told that we will cover. And they're naming their ships after Aldrin, after Armstrong, after Shepard. And we've already demonstrated what the Apollo missions were. The Apollo missions were a lie. It's not really an arguable thing. Um, These are things that you can look at. You can look at the work that other people have done. You can look at the parallax method used on all the imagery, which can be replicated any day of the week to demonstrate that the moon landing and the Apollo missions were stagecraft and spellcraft. So for a new company to be coming along to privatize supposed satellite launches or anything else and be naming their vehicles after the fraudulent Apollo mission astronauts is really a very telling thing. But what else is in a name? I mean, we cover some of the naming of what Virgin Galactic is calling its supposed, I don't even know what to call them, spaceships, planes, I don't know what they are, Um, they're they're set pieces. As a matter of fact, I would go so far as to say that I may do further work at a, a later date if I come back around on space anytime soon Um, To kind of discover whether the complete spaceport in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico is basically a facade, a set piece, basically stagecraft to convince people that they are actually doing things and working up to taking tourists to space. Um, At any rate, it's all nonsense to me, and I think we demonstrate that pretty well in this episode. Let's jump in. All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio Podcast. This is episode 43, and as promised, we will be taking apart the privatization of space, specifically Virgin Galactic and Sir Richard Branson, although after doing some more research on what it means to be a knight, I'm not sure that Sir Richard Branson gets to say sir, and there are even silly stories out there now about how he should lose his knighthood because of tax evasion and all this other nonsense. But before I get Jason in here to to kind of wrap up the final episode that we're going to do specifically on space fraud, um, I would point out. Uh, When you can't find information, particularly as I began to look into what does it mean to be a modern knight. I did this once before, a year or two ago, when I was writing an article, and what I found was nonsense. Um, You know, there is no meaning to being a modern knight, which clearly cannot be correct. But anyhow, when we find ourselves in a position, we can always go back to the etymology and meaning of words. Uh, The word knight itself, we are told... Uh, comes from Old High German from the word necht, which apparently is still remains the same in modern German. I don't speak German, so I'll have to take that one uh, at face value. But the meaning of the word is servant, and that tells us a hell of a lot, does it not? That means that every person that is knighted in the modern age is carrying the moniker knight, and that means servant. And it doesn't mean just any old servant. It means servant to the royal house that knighted you. So we have that, and we will get into more of what knighthood means, or what we were able to deduce, um, as it is basically hidden information. Um, if you want to go to even even the British Royal websites and these other places, they would have you believe that it is completely honorary means, Jack and that you get to wear pretty clothes and sit at a table in a certain order, and it is all nonsense. Um, this stuff is rooted in the ancient chivalric, chivalric code, uh, which had directly to do mostly with military, although back then, apparently, there were orders of knighthood which included, I think one was scroll knights, and the other was sword knights or something like this, meaning some guys were more bookish and other guys were more battleish. Uh, was what I took away from it. Don't know if that has carried over into the modern age, but if you go back and look at the ancient chivalric code, you can see that there is a foundational meaning to what it is to being a knight. Um, so anyhow, we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, let's jump into SpaceX and what is absolutely, in my view, Fraud, fraud, fraud. Um, And SpaceX is not alone in this. Uh, As Jason began to do the research, he was finding all these other private corporations um, that are getting into the privatization of space. Wait till you hear he found another company. Wait till you hear some of the names of the craft that they're, they're building that echo the fraud that we've already been told. And not only that, one of my followers today sent me another article where... In England, you know, every other airport's going to get a spaceport or something like this. But anyhow, welcome aboard for the final run at space, Jason. Here we are, Crow. Let's uh, let, let's put the last nail in the coffin. Uh, let's do it. I mean, it's not even a hard thing to do. Uh, as you get into the details of these things, it's uh, it's beyond the pale, is it not?
1: <laughs> Man, this is, we'll have done 12 hours of radio on space fraud, and I'll tell you, after going through all this stuff, the amount of information that I now have just surrounding space programs in general compared to what I didn't know man folks go do some homework it, it'll blow your mind because obviously we didn't cover it all in
0: in these six shows maybe I can get one of these losers tonight me because I was looking at the chivalric code and a lot of it's supposed to be about honesty so <laughs> you know we we've kind of honestly assessed what's going on here is there a, a knighthood in this you know not joke but anyhow um, what do you want to do here? Do you want to just jump straight in and include the the remainder of the, the knighthood information as we get into Sir Richard Branson? And by the way, um, I'm not even I don't think Sir Richard Branson can call himself Sir, but I'm not certain about that.
1: He is a knight bachelor, which is uh, let me see how the ranks go. He, I don't believe he's a sir because only the two top ones can uh, knight grand cross and right. knight commander. But uh, anyway, before we got into Richard Branson, I saw a really interesting news article on SpaceX. I wanted to uh, oh bring,
0: yeah yeah bring yeah up. Yeah, you you um, got to cover
1: that. Yeah, uh, this is from on February fourteenth, two thousand seventeen. SpaceX is launching a lethal pathogen called MRSA into Mercy, space. Mercer, and, and sorry now. to step
0: on you, but but that's isn't that Valentine's Day? Yes. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Of We're launching deadly is, pathogens man. into space. Spellcraft in space. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, it's supposed to be for study on the ISS. Now, uh, the study is sponsored by NASA and Cassis. and if anybody doesn't remember from our ISS show, Cassis is the uh, company that kind of oversees everything to do with the ISS. They claim to want to see the effects of near, near zero-g gravity, uh, what it has on the gene expression and mutation patterns on this very resilient pathogen. Uh, This this pathogen particularly flourishes in environments, get this, that are crowded and confined. Now, if there's any reality (laughs) to the ISS, why on earth are you taking this thing there? (laughs)
0: Well, I'm pretty sure we should put in a petition that they need to take up some, you know, radioactive waste, which doesn't exist because we need to know how that would function in a cramped environment up there in space. I mean, this is just more fear porn, isn't it? It has no ring of truth in it. It has no common sense in it. And of course, it is bringing to the forefront again, the idea of MRSA being a major problem in our world. Um, I don't know what to say about this. February 14th, really? Really? I mean, come on, man.
1: <laughs> well, the other thing is, if there's any reality to any of this, um, SpaceX has blown up a lot of stuff. they are going to put this deadly thing on there that could possibly blow up and spread this everywhere? I mean, uh, I don't know how confident I'd be in that, but whatever. Anyway, folks, uh, that's that's kind of our tie up on SpaceX. That's the next big thing they're doing.
0: Well, there it is, man. The headline for Valentine's Day 2017, MRSA in Space.
1: <laughs> Moving along to Richard Branson and Virgin Galactic. Man, can this guy talk. Wait till you hear what this dude has pulled off in his life. <laughs> um, the never-ending pushbacks of Virgin Galactic, because it's still to this day. <laughs> the never-ending story, right? Yeah. S- Richard Branson, born on July 17th, 1950 in Blackheath, London, UK.
0: So, so, so there it is, man. He's he's right there at the uh, yeah. You know, he's right there in the, in the in the heart of it. Yeah, the, the the height of the sun's power at the solstice in the summer. So he's a little little beyond it, but anyhow, sorry.
1: Uh, he expressed from an early age his desire to be an entrepreneur. At sixteen, he had his first business venture with a magazine called Student. So, being clever from the very beginning, it looks like. In 1970, he set up a mail order record business. In 1972, he opened the first of the Virgin companies with Virgin Records, which later became known as the Virgin Megastores. Uh, the Vir- Virgin name supposedly came from the fact that he didn't know what he was doing, so he was a a newbie at
0: this. You know, with, with this bullet point that you've just hit here, opening up a record business in 1972, it really puts him in the heart of the fraudulent music industry that you and I covered all the way back uh, into the war on the young generation of the 60s and the psychological operations that all modern music is. Um, And this comes through record companies. So the idea that this young guy is setting up a record business out of the blue is patently ridiculous, ridiculous to me. He was put where he was to to do what he was doing, and the idea that he named it Virgin, uh, to me, is is nonsense. Um, it's named Virgin for the same reason we have a Virgin Mary, for the same reason we have an Isis. It's the encoding of the upper class. That's what Virgin Records is about. And if that was even a true story, why did it follow him to Virgin Galactic? He's not a virgin anymore. He knows what he's doing. He's a grown man. So there's really no um, no holding water with this. And the encoding of this whole idea, to me, is blatantly You know, I can see right through it. If we had not done all the episodes on the kind of psychological operation that early rock and roll and everything that followed it became uh, delivered us delivered to us through the record companies, of course, Virgin is that. And there's really no getting away from any time you see the word Virgin uh, from the upper crust elite in this world. It's encoding an idea. And that idea is ISIS.
1: Well, let's talk about this real quick. If he got into the music business albeit on the retail side. Britain, as uh, we were discussing before the show started, is a very small country in comparison to, say, the United States, and their big figures um, are kind of a bigger deal to the to the British folks than, than say, like, the insane amount of celebrities we have in, in the United States. So someone like Richard Branson getting out, or making a big deal about what he's doing in the early days, think about who he got around very quickly. He got around people like Jimmy Savile. Right? And for anybody who, who is not familiar with this, that is the guy who is at the heart of this pedophile ring that's all tied in with the British royalty and all that. And anybody who is in entertainment, who is involved with the BBC or music or anything to do in, in England, man, you were you got involved with this stuff. There was no way you didn't. There are people who came out of the woodwork after Jimmy Savile died a few years ago. Um, just totally... This guy was in everything. He had his claws in everything and everyone. And he's the most vile, disgusting human being ever. And there's no way Richard Branson in his early days wouldn't have been around this.
0: Well, I mean, come on. Um, What you're looking at, you know, this, this relates directly to the chivalric code of how back in the day, supposedly, the foundational, you know, precepts for what modern knights are became knights. We are told. Um that back in the day a kid at age seven had already been planned to become a knight. At age seven he became a page. Like a Jimmy Page, maybe, I don't know. Um anyhow, he became a page. I think it's age 14 or 16 or in the neighborhood. I'm not looking at the the numbers right now. Um, you could start to think about moving up to Squire, and I believe it's age 21. Uh, you could begin to take formal steps into being uh, knighted or you know join the order as a knight in some way. Right. Uh, I, I've forgotten exactly what it is, but what you're looking at is what Richard Branson is here. Not only is he knighted here, you're looking at a kid that steps into the music industry, and we know. What the music industry is. Um, The music industry is what it is. And we've demonstrated that Tavistock, that the CIA, that the universities in America, big universities, all had a hand in using the music industry as a psychological operation to basically grab a hold of an entire generation and just Retard it down to meaningless nonsense a generation that really wanted to change the world but as we watched what happened with music we can see it's up into rap now and rap is like a stripped down blatant in-your-face version of the things we covered from the 60s and the 70s so i would point out that you're looking at a night that we know what the chivalric order chose these kids out to start their path at age seven. And here we have a young Richard Branson stepping in to the, the world you just described, although I always have problems with the pedophile stories because I think so much of it is just fear porn to get people to look in a different direction. And while I'm sure this kind of thing goes on, uh, I don't think we're going to learn about it through the news. But anyhow, I, I kind of took over there. Jason, go ahead.
1: Well, the Virgin brand uh, grows rapidly throughout the 1980s. Branson sets up Virgin Atlantic Airlines, so he went from (laughs) the music business to airplanes. There you go. uh, Expanded into the Virgin Records music label, so he's signing big artists and all that. So he, he branched out into everything, and this is where he made a lot of his money. Now, getting on to what we were just discussing, in 2000, he is knighted by Charles, Prince of Wales, on March 30th, 2000 at Buckingham Palace for services to entrepreneurship for his work in retail, music, and transport. Uh, Branson had interests in land, sea, and, and space travel. On uh, So on the night, whole knighthood thing, since 1917, the British government has been awarding notable citizens with spots in the most excellent order of the British Empire – Originally, the Order was meant to honor top-notch civilian and military behavior during war, but had quickly been expanded to include peacetime achievements as well. The Order has five separate ranks. From the top down, Knight Grand Cross, Knight Commander, Commander, Officer, and Member. Only the top two ranks are actual knighthoods, which means they can add the title of Sir, or Dame for women, to their official name. All members can add the initials to the end of their names in anything they want want to use. It seems to be just an honorary public image sort of thing, as we were discussing, uh, and they're allowed to go to various functions with, depending upon your rank, your accoutrements given to whatever rank you are. Uh, pretty much it's, it's you know, you get to have lunches with the Queen Mum and all that kind of thing, and any, any big hoopla event you
0: get a, a slightly better table, I would I suppose. So, so let's take that part a little bit. You know, let's, let's take it apart at face value, the things that we can look at and know. Let's use Sir Elton John, although I don't know if he's allowed to say sir. Everyone tends to call him that. Um, he was integral in the death of Princess Diana. The Princess Diana death was a hoax. It was a put-up. It was just more of the same that we get from these people, even complete with the years of mind programming before it happened, because they had everyone calling her Princess Die before she died. And there are plenty of people online doing the work to demonstrate uh, what these royal and upper crust folk do with these false kind of fear, porny, false violence events, um, how they kind of recycle themselves into a new position. But if we go back um, to the idea of what knighthood um, might still be, since we can't get anything more than you get to play dress up and sit at a special table and. Um, Here's some information that I think arguably demonstrates that it all relates to the patricians or the royalty of Rome. Um, As I began to do the lookup and the etymology on the word, it became pretty clear that knighthood was arguably more closely tied to what is called Roman equites, It's E Q U I T E S. Not sure how to pronounce it. I think it's Equites. It might be Equites. Not sure. But anyhow, the Equites. Um, so the singular would be eques, and um, they are some, sometimes called knights. In modern times, because of their involvement with horses, constituted the lower of the two aristocratic classes of ancient Rome, uh, ranking below the patricians or patricii, a hereditary caste that monopolized political power during the regal era. Yes, the regal or royal era, um, supposed to have been 753 to 509 B.C., and during the early republic, which they cite as 338 BC, a member of the equestrian order was known as an eques. The plural of that is equites. And of course, that would be where we get our word equestrian, which also means horse. The reason this is important to me is because when we start digging into this royalty, elite, Masonic nonsense, every road you look at is going to go to Egypt or Rome or both. And what you are looking at here is that knighthood, arguably, came from the patrician or royal classes of Rome, of which there were two, the higher being, you know, basically the royalty of Roman society and the lower class being the knights. And these were servants to the higher class. These were people who had to go to battle if called upon and all these other things. Um, But let's get a little more into it. Um, Anyone who wants to can go look at the chivalric or the chivalry code of the Middle Ages. Um, And you should. It's a very interesting thing to look at. Jason just defined the five separate ranks and that the first two can actually use the word sir. So here's all these rules coming forward from chivalric days we are told actually existed when there were all these responsibilities of the servant or the knight to the royal family that knighted them. So I looked up what are the benefits of being a modern knight. Well, here's where you can begin to see the nonsense. Here's what came from two or three different sources. And I even went on the, the royal, kind of some of the royal websites to try to find out what's going on and didn't get very far. But here it is. Benefits of a modern knight. You, go, you don't get to just wear, you, you don't get to joust or wear armor, but you do pick up a few unusual garments. Knights and dames of the Grand Cross get to wear special gear to formal events and coronations. This getup includes a pink and gray edge satin mantle and man, oh man, a collar with six gold medallions. All members of the order are allowed to wear the group's badge. So the little club, they all have little badges that are specific to their, I guess, induction group or something like this. Or maybe it's to the five ranks that Jason outlined. The badge is basically a cross hanging from a pink ribbon with gray edges, although various ranks wear their badges in unique ways. Members and officers simply wear their badges like military medals pinned to their chest, while the higher ups wear their sashes around their necks. Now here's where it gets a bit laughable. Other benefits include getting a spot in the British Order of Precedence. Well, what the heck is that? Well, what that is is an arcane system. For those who don't know what arcane means, I'm not looking at the definition, but basically it means a mysterious thing that very few people know the truth about. So it's an arcane system that develops a hierarchy of ceremonial importance for things like state dinners. Furthermore, knights win their wives the right to be called lady. I mean, it goes on and on. What they're basically claiming here is that in the modern age, all this hoopla, all these rules, all these titles, all these badges, and given the name knight, which means servant to the royal family that knighted you— Mounts to bup kiss. You wear a badge, you get some sweet clothes. And that's what they're claiming this means. And I think I can prove otherwise. Looking at Sir Elton John. Play the party line in the hoaxed Princess Diana death. And that's just one example of many, many, many famous rock stars that are playing the psychological operation game within the music industry, which we have outlined very well on this show. But anyhow, that was pretty wordy. Oh, I guess I should include... Uh, people may be wondering where knighthoods are still issued. Um, so I came up with a list for that. The United Kingdom, of course. Um, the Netherlands, the Dutch equivalent word is rider or ridder. Um, and then uh, they mentioned Van Or- I think that's orange is the word in Nassau. Denmark still has the Brog or Denin or the Order of Dannenbrog. Malaysia has the Datuk, and of course, of course, we cannot forget about the Vatican. The Holy See is the last of, in the list that order that uh, hands out knighthoods. So there's a little more information about knighthoods. I know it's not nearly as much as we want, but I think we can pretty much demonstrate that the people are knighted are in the upper crust and play in the game. I have no doubt that the
1: that the whole Vatican thing probably has more to do with it than and you can find out publicly.
0: Why? I mean, it comes down to, you know, when you really truly find, try to find what's being conferred on these people, it comes up to tea parties and dress up. And that is patently ridiculous. Um, there There is a basis for knighthood that goes all the way back to supposed ancient Rome, if there was such a time. But so much of the nonsense we see, even the makeup of our Western world, uh, you know, we have a Senate. Well, where did that come from, supposedly? Rome. All ro- All roads do lead to Rome, regardless of The actuality of that place in history—it's hard to know uh, because so much of our history has come through royal houses and you know people who had the good information. But anyhow, maybe we should get back on track here, Jason. That's about all I can add, and I looked pretty hard.
1: Yeah, I I did did as well. And uh, between the two of us, it looks like we came up with what's really out there, and it's it's not a whole heck of a lot, folks. So you know, no, it's 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 tea time and pretty close. Mm -hmm. So take that as you will. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So Richard Branson has been a very public figure and uh, publicly has this taste for adventure and humanitarian work, especially in the UK. Big, Very big figure there. He's always in the, in the papers and everything. He is considered one of the most prominent figures in modern British culture. In 2002, he was named in the BBC's poll of the 100 Greatest Britons. In July 2015, Forbes listed his approximate net worth at $5.2 billion. So he's not even <laughs>
0: uh, competing with old Elon there. Tony Stark's kind pounded
1: down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, you and I talked about the idea of what it means to be extremely wealthy, and we were bandying about um, can an average person work their way up to billionaire and be allowed to do it? And we were really questioning whether that's even possible. Um, you know, there was an old Simpsons episode where Monty Burns lost some handful of money. And it was enough to have put him from billionaire to millionaire. So all the billionaires took him out, threw him over the fence into the, you know, the slums of where the millionaires (laughs) live. And he was screaming and scratching his chest. And I thought it was so I'd been thinking about this idea for a long time. And what really brought it to the forefront for me was that people are now taking apart the lotteries in this country. um, And God, I should have got this information up in front of me, but apparently, I don't remember if it was Newtown, Connecticut, Sandy hoax, or one of the other proven false flags, someone had apparently won like $100 million from the lottery twice that was complicit in those fraud events. Um, And that wasn't even what started it. So we begin to see um, the total epic control over who gets money. And it almost appears to me now that lotteries are nothing more than a way to pay off chosen people um, in a completely untrackable way, I would add. But think about it. Um, If an average person works his butt off and makes it to millionaire, will the system allow that? And I imagine, yeah, there's probably quite a few millionaires out there. But when you start to get to serious money, like $100 where you might have sway over things... Um, can can a person just work their way up to that and for the life of me it looks to me like most of the billionaires in our world and the really wealthy are absolutely connected to the elite uh, on arms toss from the royal families so I mean it's something to consider
1: you know I was thinking about this uh, actually yesterday while I was driving around what would happen if I suddenly had 10 billion dollars or something like that what power would I have and what could I do and you know the the very first thing that came to mind is I could buy every billboard and every advertising thing that I wanted a- anywhere. Like the entire United States, I could put the same message everywhere if I wanted to. And right? and I wouldn't even bat an eye because like, it wouldn't be that much. you know. So, I mean, if you think about the kind of power that someone with billions of dollars can have, just let that sink in. Think about what you literally could do and how much these people don't do. So I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. just leave it at that. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, it even harkens back to the to the early 1900s, where there's actually records of uh, investigations by a government that may not have been wholly, you know, (laughs) baffled by then. Hard to know. Um, They're looking at some of the richest robber barons identifying the 12 most influential papers and buying them basically with pocket change to completely control the narrative in this country. And I think that's exactly what you're getting at. And of course, we have institutions like the IRS and um, these other places that could clearly make it very difficult for anyone they they wanted to prevent from you know having money and using it.
1: Right. And we did see what people with what the equivalent of billions of dollars would have been in the old in the old days. Uh, they bought everything, you know, they, right. they bought right. all the oil. They bought all of the trains, whatever it happened to be. They bought it because that's what you can do. So – and that's what I was getting at. I
0: was just being a little and, facetious about yeah, it. But, you no, know. No, but there's a precedent to that even, Jason. You know, we talked about it before. It's covered in the book Shogun. Um, where uh, one of the characters is trying to tell the Shogun of Japan, there's this guy called the Pope who has put a canonical bull in force, which is basically a worldwide law, which by the way, that same bull is still in force today, I believe, uh, that basically says the Vatican owns the entire world, even the stuff that hasn't been discovered yet. And the Shogun's like, what? So he owns Japan and the guy is telling him, yeah, he owns Japan. So there's even a precedent for what royalty and power have done where, I mean, we're not even talking about spending money At this point, they're basically just saying we're in charge, so it's all ours. Right, and that's what these people do. Exactly what they do.
1: All right, so uh, back to Richard Branson. He has done an insane amount of media appearances over the years on all kinds of fronts. I mean, I just found tons of stuff on him. You, You could do hours of radio just discussing all the things he has done to build this public persona that he now has tweaked into this highly polished image. Uh, his most recent high-profile adventure was just the other day with former <laughs> president of the United States Barack Obama performing kite surfing and foil boarding on his resort <laughs> island, uh, called Mosquito Island. He has private resorts there, and this is the thing you do when you have billions of dollars—you buy islands and build resorts there that most people can't, you know, hardly anyone could afford to go to.
0: Well I mean come on Mosquito Island and they even play the you know the old phonetic spelling because nobody's quite sure how M O S K I-T-O instead of the regular spelling of mosquito came to be. But of course Mr. Richard Branson prefers the older phonetic spelling, which is attributed to misspelling back in the days of sea ships. The funny thing that got me about this is Mosquito Island. Of course it is. This is where the uh, the parasites live on Mosquito Island. You see, ro- royalty and elites are basically parasites on all of us. Um, they don't contribute anything of value to our world. What they do is they limit us. They tax us. They make laws for us. They make rules for us. They own everything. They are parasitic in nature. So I thought it was pretty apropos that Sir Richard Branson uh, has Mosquito Island in his uh, holdings. Yeah, it is pretty
1: funny. So on to Virgin Galactic. It was registered as a company in 1999, three years after the Ansari X-Prize was announced. The X-Prize would award $10 million to the first non-government organization that flew people into space using a reusable spacecraft twice in a two-week span. Branson had been interested in spaceflight since the 1960s, and he sponsored Burt Rutan's Scaled Composites Company bid to get the prize. On June 21, 2004, pilot Mike Melville... Flew Spaceship One, or SS One as they usually call it, on the first private manned spaceflight. On September 27, 2004, Sir Richard Branson and Bert Ruton announced plans to build the first commercial spacecraft. Ruton and his company, Scaled Composites, won the X Prize, and this set the stage for Virgin Galactic.
0: Uh, clearly still a virgin i guess he's still a newbie at the game so virgin's going to follow him all the way through um i I mean but you're looking at the setup here you know set up in what 1999 here um the x prize you know that's a heck of a thing where they're offering 10 million dollars to any non-government organization that can you know make a vehicle that goes up to the edge of space and i always get this wrong i guess the you looked up the actual day i always say like 24 hours or 36 but i guess it's two weeks um they have to use it twice within two weeks so it needs to be reusable you would imagine that more people would be going at this in some way although it almost seems like these private corporations and we'll announce more than just spacex before we get out of this episode uh maybe people are put off thinking that they can't compete with uh you know the whole crop of up-and-coming privatized space guys
1: the thing I don't understand, and maybe we're just not as advanced as I'm thinking we are, but why are they all using rockets? Is there seriously absolutely nothing else? There's no sort of electromagnetic propulsion technology that's that's at least somewhat working? I mean, I, I've i looked into this stuff. Um, I mean, this is 2017, not 1922. Do, do we really not have anything other than freaking rockets?
0: Well, I mean, look look at look at the things we can look at. Where so much of the technology we supposedly have came from either a sci-fi writer or a movie, and in every movie that shows spaceships, you see a kind of craft thing, like an airplane of some sort, taking off from the ground and going into space. Um, that is constantly the way it's portrayed, and clearly, um, you have to get to a simpler. Solution, no matter what you're trying to do. So the idea of rockets does seem like Flintstones at this point, doesn't it?
1: It it does to me, and it really bothers me. It's like all you guys are doing is building bigger rockets, and the damn things still blow up. You know, I mean, you're talking about they're bombs, really. They're controlled explosions.
0: And not only that, we're in the age of everything needs to be recycled and reusable, and this is not what rockets are. Um, They fall into the ocean, don't they? (laughs) Well. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
1: we, we we've already uh, torn that one apart. So who knows how yeah. much of the stuff is truly reusable? On top of that, and and they're spending stupid amounts of money on top of it. So I don't know, man. I don't know what they're doing with all that stuff.
0: Well, I would say su- I would suggest that we're just looking at another version of the moon landing, and all that money is doing something else entirely. Um, that that would be my take on it. I mean, they built a building and a long runway, as far as I can tell.
1: Yeah, we'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Virgin Galactic seems to struggle to accomplish anything at all, of value anyway, in the first few years. Uh, it fails to create any launch systems for satellite payloads, which is really an easy way to make money if they could get it right. Um, on multiple occasions, no less, they just keep failing at it. Uh, two major players on their development team who are like heads of departments leave run, one right to the other, and both gave no explanation. And these were like big guys, big CEO types, you know, people who make a lot of money. Um, and this is after a company called I'm not sure how to pronounce this. A A B A R. I don't know if it's Abar or Abar Investments. Yeah, Abar. A sovereign wealth fund owned by the Abu Dhabi government invests two hundred and eighty million dollars in July of two thousand nine for a thirty-one point seven percent share of Virgin Galactic. Uh, Abar pledges to invest an additional one hundred million dollars if and when Virgin Galactic develops a viable small satellite launch system.
0: (laughs) I I don't even know what to say. Yeah, I don't even know what to say about that. You know, we covered in the last episode how um, supposedly SpaceX got granted the national security certificate they needed to do this whole supposed fraudulent satellite game. And here we see it again with the Abu Dhabi government getting involved. I mean, it never ends. um uh, all the powerful names that you're going to hear in this episode, in my view, are complicit in fraud. The spaceport there in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, is not doing anything, and it never will. Um, and that is my view at this point until something drastically changes. And so the idea that the Abu Dhabi government comes in with $280, $280 million, pledges another $100 million, and yet we have this British guy on American so- soil building a space—I mean, it just—none of it logically works out the way you think it should, particularly when you hear what Jason's about to say about the never-ending failure that Virgin Galactic is.
1: Yeah, this is what I call the big con from all the research I did. In the state of New Mexico, about four hours' drive from Albuquerque, lies a desert plain known as Jordan del Muerto, or Journey of the Dead. It is flat, (laughs) sunbeaten, and deeply inhospitable. On this lovely plain, in a town that's been dubbed Truth or Consequences, Uh, by by Richard Branson, no less, is a huge, futuristic-looking glass, steel, and concrete building designed by the well-known architect Norman Foster. Nearby this building is a very interesting array of facilities called Spaceport America. It has been built on an 18,000-acre patch of remote ranch land between 2006 and
0: 2011. So there's there's the encoding, you know. There of course they always acres, you know, angles and acres. Um, they've encoded triple sixes in the eighteen thousand acre patch. Eighteen always encodes triple six. Go ahead.
1: Now here's here's the real rub. This whole thing was paid for by local taxpayers. <laughs> oh God. Who footed the two hundred and twenty-five million dollar cost with a point two five percent sales tax that residents are still paying to this day. It has all been spent to fulfill Richard Branson's
0: desire to go into space. Let's take that apart for a second. So here here we see this kind of royalty move that we have seen for probably centuries. Uh, The NFL does it all the time, uh, where a private corporation that stands to supposedly make a fortune on some endeavor – ends up taxing the citizenry in this case 0.2.5 percent or point two five percent which is still in in force today um, and I, what did you say? So $225 million is the cost cited here in this article. Yep. So this private corporation is going to own what the taxpayers paid for. Um, and, you know, it's like the NFL coming into a place saying we need a new stadium. They were trying to do it in San Diego before I left, where they were trying to get the San Diegans, the people of San Diego, to pay for the infrastructure for their private corporation to make billions of dollars. Um, this is a total royal move, man. This, this has its, the precedent in this kind of activity goes back to royal houses, you know, ad infinitum as far back as we can look, I'm sure. But I wanted to point that out. That is a really kind of egregious thing in my view to put up a fraudulent spaceport, tax the citizenry. And in my view, they're not going to space. They can't go to space and they've known this. So where the hell is all that tax money going? Um, It's egregious, man.
1: Now, this is I'm not a sports guy at all, like not even a little bit. So I didn't know for the longest time that, like the NFL, for instance, or whomever, they don't build the stadiums themselves. They get whatever the local establishment is to do it. The the NFL and all these companies, yeah. yeah, I mean, they break in stupid amounts of money, billions of dollars. That's why they're paying these players sometimes tens of millions of dollars a year to play a bloody game. Well, the the
0: owners are yeah the owners are some of the richest people among us too. Um, The NFL is you know it's like what I call the Super Bowl. Um, People don't recognize what's going on right in front of their face. That whole Lady Gaga performance. These are the richest people among us that own these teams. This is basically a form of mafia, um, in a way. But when you watch what they are doing with their spellcraft and their programming uh, through television. Shows that are going out to hundreds of millions of people. um, It's a wonder that more people don't wake up to what's being done right in front of their face. They're basically being poked in the eye um, and they're basically being used. But, yeah, these very rich people get very poor people to pay for their infrastructure. Happens all the time.
1: Well, it seems like Richard Branson is, is just, you know. The football teams and all that, that's that's like who can have the biggest toys. Well, maybe Richard Branson is just trying to up, up them one and be like, ah, but I can do space. So who knows?
0: Yeah, but I mean, if you really thought about that in the circle of people who are in the know, um, if anything I've said is correct, um, then all those people know this is a charade. The Abu Dhabi government knew it was a charade. Um, this is just the the maintaining of lies to keep a world population completely clueless about where it is we exist. And this idea that we are going to be space travelers someday, well, wake me up when it happens, I guess.
1: Well, the other thing, take note with with that getting involved, it's not just a private corporation anymore, now a government is involved. Right, and they own thirty odd percent shares. So that's, right. that's yeah. not totally civilian anymore. You know, now there's a a a country's government involved with it. So
0: well, then you could further make, and I almost said something when I was going through that art, the, that part of the article that you wrote, or the bullet points. Um, not only is a government now involved, but governments have militaries, and if anyone doesn't recognize, if we were truly going to the true high ground, which is space, that is the ultimate military application. Think back to Ronald Reagan and Star Wars. Oh, we're all going to have Star Wars named after a damn movie from 1977. Again, showing you the nonsense of it. You see, because serious endeavors do not cross over into entertainment. They just do not. That's not the way reality works. And so here you have um, a Middle Eastern government, presumably has a military. If any of this stuff was real, there would be military applications. And now they own a third of the company or whatever it is, 33%. um, They would have a real interest in trying to harness the technology from this private corporation to be used for their own ends.
1: You know, the other thing I thought about even years ago, by calling it star wars it was free advertisement for george lucas i mean of because, because it was constantly in the newspaper they were talking about it all the time in the 80s and 90s
0: there there's no doubt um, the the whole you know that that's a whole other show we should think about doing it sometime jason is to dig into how star wars came to be it wasn't too long ago that i saw the kind of you know haphazard way star wars came to be and it's all nonsense Um, these things are scripted and the big events that happen in our world for the most part seem to be planned in advance and then executed pretty darn efficiently.
1: Well, the other thing is just like Virgin Galactic and all that, they never got Star Wars to work properly, supposedly, like they couldn't track missiles and they couldn't, you know, and, and that, that. Because no one was in space, yeah, right. Yeah, it's like you, like they threw all this money at it and they couldn't get it to work, <laughs> you
0: know. So well, it, it was fear porn, wasn't it? You know, oh, now we've taken war to space. It was a bit like the thing we mentioned in the last episode where uh, NASA's going to bomb the moon. You know, that's what that's what the media was pushing out. It's fear porn, the militarization of space, um, and it's all based in nonsense. There is no foundational reality to these things.
1: No. And, and and here we go with, with, with uh, the way they pull these things off, too. In 2005, Richard Branson had convinced New Mexico's then-governor, Bill Richardson, to finance the entire construction on the basis that it would become a massive headquarters for his new space tour, tourism company, Virgin Galactic. Branson's argument was this. It wasn't an expense, but a canny investment. And he obviously won this particular argument with him. His <laughs> claims were that it would put New Mexico at the epicenter of a great technological leap forward. This giant leap would be made under his stewardship, of course, that was about to reshape the global travel and transport industries. Except, of course, as we know, it didn't. It didn't. Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, voters were Good asked total. to approve special taxes to pay for the project. And agreed, being swayed by promises that the facility would earn their community a lucrative place in the history books.
0: Yeah, that'll that'll pay for some cans of soup, right?
1: <laughs> um, Virgin Galactic had committed itself to launching a minimum of 100 space flights a year from Spaceport America from 2010 onwards.
0: So, so I mean it's at some point <laughs> isn't this like breach of contract or fraud or I mean isn't there an actual legal word in some legal book and some penal code somewhere that you know could be used for this kind of fraud I mean they're bilking 0.25% tax out of all the people who live there promising 100 space light, f- flights a year from t- 2010 onwards and none of it has happened yet they've pocketed all the money
1: you know, it's interesting that I think about this now. If there's a 0.25% sales tax in New Mexico, I've paid that
0: because I've been through there several times. As have I, you know. <laughs> I I love the state of New Mexico, you know. Everyone does that goes there. Yeah, no doubt.
1: So Branson claims a traveler's passing through would include such celebrities
0: as Tom Hanks, Brad Pitt, and Paris Hilton.
1: who Paris are. Hilton.
0: <laughs> I hope she's not wearing underwear on that day and there's some paparazzi around there to actually get something of value out of this. Thing, right? Go but, ahead. <laughs> these are all names reputed
1: to have purchased advanced tickets for the two-hour journey at $250,000 apiece during which they would experience, get this, five minutes of weightlessness. That's what they're paying for.
0: So, so 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 wait a minute there, Jason. So the ticket price is quarter of a million bucks, right? So automatically, the only people who could take part in this fraud are elite themselves because who has quarter of a million bucks to spend on a ticket other than elite people?
1: Yeah, I mean minimally, you're, the least people would be like very high-powered lawyers or doctors or business people. Would The only people who could afford it that weren't necessarily – worth tens of millions of dollars, big actors, whatever you know I mean that's a lot of money for most people, that is completely and utterly not possible,
0: well, even someone who had say twenty million dollars, if you were a twenty twenty millionaire you know um would you be willing to spend a quarter of a million dollars for five minutes of wait list? I'm guessing probably not probably so not. you see yeah, you see the system insulating itself. the lie is insulated in this way,
1: and you know if there is any validity to to this thing anyway. It, even that amount of money has got I don't even know like how much it would cost to to launch this thing you know because the, the fuel involved and all that I mean it's just obscene you know like if they're trying to make this this cheap I don't know I'm not sure if those numbers add up but I'm not an aerospace engineer what would I know so the passengers would be taken to approximately uh, 60 miles up or so which is called the karman line which is the, the roughly agreed upon point where uh space and the earth kind of that line gets fuzzy. Um, there, there's some argument about yeah, exactly no, Yeah, it is.
0: Nobody knows exactly where space starts, so they invented a word called the Carmen line. Yeah. But if you try to look up where space starts, you'll get everything from 60 kilometers to 100 miles and everything in between.
1: Now, uh, 700 people have reportedly already purchased the advance tickets. By 2015, Richard Branson claimed there would be 700 flights a year, which would be two launches a day. 50,000 space tourists were claimed would be using this facility in its first 10 years, along with hundreds of thousands of visitors, hypothetically spending their money there and in the surrounding areas. Uh, The idea is that they would be spending tens of millions of dollars in the area, and this would create at least 3,000 new jobs by 2015. Again, of course, none of this happened. It's 2017. Right At the facility's official launch ceremony, Branson claimed that Virgin Galactic was on course to send customers into space by 2008 or early 2009. Now, most of the building work on the facility was already completed several years ago. It's just the interior is waiting to be fitted out, which, of course, they're not using it, so I guess they're just not going to bother. <laughs> as, we know, as we've just already discussed, Virgin Galactic has really accomplished very little towards this, and certainly no tourists have gone to space. Virgin Galactic, to this day, still does not have a working spaceship. Uh, Spaceship Two is supposed to be the craft to be launching customers into space twice daily, and it is currently sitting at a development facility in California.
0: So, I mean, here's a good place to invite people who are listening today who somehow may still be on the fence. I don't know how that could be possible, but I do understand that maybe some people are still on the fence. Go to Google Earth Online. Take yourself to Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, and look at the aerial view of the spaceport. Look all around it. Look at the roads all around it, how much those roads have been used. Scrutinize with your adult higher mind using Google Earth that facility, and you come to your own conclusion. What's going on there? Is the ring of truth? Are you looking at a true spaceport? Are you looking at something that was ever really intended to be a spaceport? But anyhow, there's the invitation for those who may still be on the fence. And back over to you, Jason.
1: Now, he, he's Richard Branson has gone into media many times, bumping at the timetable. Um, for one of the big ones he said would be the first – he would be the first passenger on December 25th, 2013 saying, maybe I'll dress up as Father Christmas. Of course, this <laughs> didn't happen. In yeah, felt- February 2014, he changed the timetable again to three or four months from liftoff. This did not happen. In July of that year, Branson tweeted that it was on the road to spaceflight later this year. Nope. 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 <laughs> <laughs> During a guest appearance on David Letterman, he claimed that he was aiming for February or March of 2015. Let me cover this one. Nope. Nope. Now, some of his <laughs> believers <laughs> have lost faith in him and Virgin Galactic's ability to get into space and have asked for their money back. Uh, reportedly, though, he has returned their money immediately without any
0: issue. So let's jump on that for a second. When I, when I was reading this part of your research, I started to really think – is is the fraud so well known that no one actually invested anything? You know, so really they're just they're just acting like some people gave some money and now they're pissed off and he gave it back. Is that really what's going on here? Um because if he gave it back immediately without issue, we're talking quite a couple chunk million of change there. Yeah, a couple yeah. million
1: at least, because if it's a quarter million per ticket and several people, you know, multiple people ask for it back, you're talking minimally a few few million dollars. So now here here's the big thing that really did happen though. Supposedly. Uh, On October 31st, 2014, the VSS Enterprise, which was the original Spaceship 2, suffers a catastrophic in-flight breakup and crashes in the Mojave Desert in California. The crash uh, killed the co-pilot and seriously injured the pilot. At the time, it was the only Spaceship 2 until the Unity was rolled out in February of 2016. Uh, The first one was built by Virgin Galactic's. The uh, Unity was built by Virgin Galactic's own company called the Spaceship Company. The original was built by uh, the first company involved with um, the SpaceX. The first, uh, and they were called Northrop Grumman Corps, Corporation, Scaled Composites. I can't totally butchered that. Uh, it was found to be an error on the part of the co-pilot. Virgin Galactic CEO George T. Whitesides in a news conference following the incident said that, and here we go, Space is hard, and today
0: was a tough day. <laughs> so I wanted to address that, because right out of the gate, um, you're announcing the names of things they have named, and the word enterprise is in there, right? Um, so again, we're taking a supposedly serious space endeavor and hearkening it back to entertainment, television entertainment, as a matter of fact. Um, and I guess the argument could be made that there were ships back in the day named enterprise but um i'll cover the naming a little bit more when you jump back over to 14
1: yeah i'm gonna go through all the the, the ships um now branson of course also made a pretty large statement and he also ended his with space is hard but worth
0: it uh, <laughs> yeah worth, <laughs> worth, it worth it for it. Who? not for the taxpayers of truth or consequences new mexico it's and not apparently not and actually, it's not just them, is it? It's the whole damn state, is it's it not? It's the whole state
1: that's paying for it. So the, the, the town oh, – he, here's the thing. The town didn't exist before Richard Branson got, got involved. That that was what he named the town
0: to go – Well, that's, that's a funny thing too, Jason, because when I was covering part of the JFK fraudulent assassination, the hoaxed assassination of JFK – There was actually a Truth or Consequences Club referring to Truth or Consequences, which is not far from the 33rd parallel um, that things like Roswell, JFK, and now this, all these fraud things are happening on. Um, So that's an interesting thing. There must be a basis pre-Branson for Truth or Consequences because it is in existence in at least 1962 um, from some of the research I did on on the hoaxed assassination of JFK. Now, that's interesting. We'll have to look more into that then. Yeah, there's actually a club, and actually there's a book, shoot, uh, there's a book I could reference. We'll do this offline. There's a book I can reference that covers this. Cool. Um,
1: Now, the original Spaceship Two had numerous safety precautions that apparently were just blatantly ignored. Um, By the way, today's aerospace standards are, you have to implement what's called a two-failure system. That would be built into any of the main systems before a catastrophe would happen, whether it be a, a pilot error, a mechanical error, or one of each so that it could be corrected before. Boom. Uh, now, the the uh, legal authorities that investigated it point to the fact that there was a zero point system. Basically, the <laughs> pilot made an error and boom.
0: So. So this is the claim death, right? Yeah. I haven't looked at this specifically, but out of the gate, I would assume this is another hoaxed event to kick the can down the road. Um, I probably should have took more time to look at it. Um, I imagine we'll see the encoding of numbers in the language that means absolutely nothing surrounding it, this type of thing. Um, But in my view, um, what we keep continually seeing with all these kind of – now privatized space industry companies that are going to replace NASA at some point. And the, the naming in the new company uh, that you found that's creating a space company will kind of demonstrate what I'm talking about here. But they always pick numbers like 2020 or beyond, uh, which is a funny thing, like 2020 Vision or who knows what they're referencing. 22 maybe be the master Uh, builder number Um, they kick the can down the road and when we see events like people supposedly getting killed accidents happening things blowing up and we have all the evidence in the world we need to demonstrate that the space shuttle explosions were nonsense and that the people that were supposedly on those explosions are still living and some of them have not even changed their names so when we see an event like this from sir richard branson out of the gate i'm calling nonsense even before i look anyhow Anyway, in Hour
1: 2, we are going to get into the different ships that uh, Virgin Galactic has, what they are, what their
0: names are, and those of of themselves are very telling right no doubt um so so there it is anyhow um that'll bring the the first hour of episode 43 covering uh virgin galactic and sir richard branson a bit about knighthood at least what we could discover which is not easy apparently that's arcane information and i hope to see you all over at crow triple seven radio for the second hour it's available for members and there it is man cheers